Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's May 12th, 2000. And another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by... Aria, Rebecca, and Ali. The Retrospectors. So it was on this day that I, Oli Mann, turned 19. I was on my gap year <laughs> in Zambia, and I celebrated by participating in an ill-conceived drinking game involving a 100 film canisters filled with beer, an event which has a tragic echo in the story of the making of the film released on this day in the year 2000, Ridley Scott's Gladiator, which displaced Kevin and Perry Go Large as the UK's number one film and I think it's fair to say, has better stood the test of time. Well, one of the things that almost went wrong was that uh, Russell Crowe may not have been tempted to sign on. And in fact, the producers were so concerned that he wouldn't say yes to the script because (laughs) at the time that they were ready for him to read it, apparently it wasn't very good, that they said, listen, don't read the script. It's 180 AD, you're a Roman general and you're being directed by Ridley Scott. Just think about that. That (laughs) that was their pitch to him. It's kind of strange that they were pitching so hard at Russell Crowe as well because he wasn't really famous at this point if you were a film fan you might recognize him because he'd been in stuff like la confidential he had a pretty big role in and the quick and the dead but there was no way he was a household name outside of maybe australia and new zealand at this point but it seemed like ridley scott really settled on him as the person he wanted for the role which yeah was pretty thinly fleshed out at this point the script was by David Franzoni originally, and it was based on a novel called Those About to Die. And apparently the first draft hewed closer to the real history. And there's a reason that sometimes the real history gets changed. Uh, it was about <laughs> Commodus's actual assassin, who was a wrestler named Narcissus, who strangled <laughs> him in the bath, which would have made for a more intimate but substantially yes. less thrilling climax. <laughs> bit more art house, wouldn't it be? If Crow was on top of Phoenix (laughs) wrangling around in the water. But actually, uh, no more critically successful, really. I mean, that's the sort of extraordinary thing about Gladiator, I think, is, you know, it made half a billion dollars worldwide, but it also won Best Picture at the Oscars. And generally, Mm. Roger Ebert accepted, was critically praised as well despite being, like, very clearly a popcorn movie and clearly having a script that was written on the fly. Having gone through so many drafts and multiple writers as well, what they eventually settled on was man wants to avenge death of family. Yes, (laughs) that's right. Classic Hollywood template. And actually, it's interesting because I remember at the time I was a bit of a film nerd and I remember it being talked about in the same breath as Spartacus and Ben-Hur... Uh, swords and sandals right that's the the term you use for a hollywood flick like this about the roman empire it's a swords and sandal movie it isn't a swords and sandal movie i was watching it last night it's just a swords movie like there there are no (laughs) mosaic flaws there are essentially no women i mean there's one female character there's no like loot playing or grape eating it is just (laughs) blokes with swords coming at each other and It's basically a sport movie. It's basically Rocky, except with an hour-long prologue about war. 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. And also tigers. They actually had tigers on the set. Uh, apparently the original script had him fighting hippopotamuses, but they realised that you couldn't get such a thing as a film-trained hippopotamus. <laughs> Which, by the way, was true of Commodus, one of the few uh, historically accurate aspects of... Well, actually, that's not fair. He There were a few things that lined up with the true history of this time. He was a, like a sports fanboy, wasn't he, who got gladiators he, to fight him. That happened. He, that did happen. And he also did a lot of murdering of animals. And he used to kind of line up hippopotami in particular and murder them for the delectation of the Senate in particular. Partly, I think, apparently as a threat to them that if I can do this to to these hippopotamuses, uh, then I can also do it to, to you, Lodge. Yeah. Um, I mean, if anything, he was even worse than he was depicted in the movie. He de- delighted in slaughtering exotic animals, preferably en masse. Apparently, he killed 100 bears in a row one day. And also less, if somehow even less nobly than that, he once had all of the men in Rome who were lacking a foot tied together when he clubbed them to death in the Colosseum. Well, I think we do need to get back to the tragic echo that you hinted at at the beginning <laughs> of the of the episode, which I assume is the death of Oliver Reed. Yes. So Oliver Reed is in the movie and after about 10 years in the Hollywood wilderness, partly because of his alcoholism, um, this was going to be his big comeback film. And then he died. Um, and he died in the middle of shooting before they'd finished all of his scenes. Specifically, he died in Malta in a pub Mm. that was frequented by the Royal Navy. So he was a massive drinker. He promised Ridley Scott that he wouldn't drink during the week whilst he was on the film set, but the weekends were his. So he went at the weekend to this pub. Uh, To be fair, he went with his wife. It appears that he was having a quiet eight pints of beer. But then what happened is these Royal Navy sailors came in, and of course, like, you know, they're on R&R, and they see Ollie Reed at the bar... So all mm. these young guys who had, like, docked from HMS Cumberland said, Hey, Sullivan Reed, hey! And he ended up doing a dozen shots of rum and half a bottle of whiskey, some cognac, and started arm wrestling each of them, which is standard Oliver Reed behaviour, but he's in his 60s by this point and hadn't been drinking all week and had been working, and then had a massive heart attack and died on the floor. Yeah, and as you mentioned, this sort of behaviour had been pretty par for the course throughout Reed's working life. And for that reason, in his insurance for the film, there'd been a budget built in to replace him if he'd been able to complete the film for any reason. But Ridley Scott didn't want to use it. So what he did was call upon the special effects team at a British company called The Mill. And they'd already doing really great work because the production had built physically one third of a replica Colosseum on set and they had digitally generated the other two thirds. They'd created a crowd of 35,000 people from 2,000 extras so they must be thinking we've done a really great job here like dusting off the hands and this is in 1999 remember what we were saying about Mm. crap computers in the 90s yesterday exactly and now they suddenly got this unexpected task which is CGIing Oliver Reed so this wasn't the first time that this was done they mapped a 3D computer generated mask of Reed's face onto a real actor's body and they created it was only two minutes but it's pretty good two minutes it's a scene that's set in the shadows crucially which is the only way they could really make it look convincing with the cgi of the time but i actually think compared to something the thing i was thinking of is you remember that there was an episode of the sopranos where the actress who played tony soprano's mother had died and they had to Mm. create one last scene so they could sort of tie up that storyline and it looked so bad and that was in 2000 as well and it's always cited as being like one of the worst examples of cgi (laughs) so thinking about where cgi was at this time they actually did a really good job i think you could easily watch it and not notice Yeah, I think when you do know and you're on the lookout for which is the real Oliver Reed and which is the CGI Oliver Reed, 
I didn't research in advance. I was just watching it. And I didn't notice until his penultimate scene where he's in the jail cell. And you can tell the lighting is just wrong. Like the mm. lighting on his face is different to the lighting in the cell. But, you know, I'm, I'm being picky because there were clearly other shots in the film that I simply didn't notice. So they did do a pretty good job for 2000, although it did come in at a budget of three million dollars. Worth it, yeah. as we say, in a small fraction of the budget of Gladiator. But that's still a lot for two minutes of film, isn't it? Well, apparently, if they were going to go back and redo the stuff with a new actor rather than just trying to find another solution, it was going to cost $26 million. So there was a financial in- imperative there as well. And a film like this couldn't have been made until the CGI was right, because as you touched on earlier, Ollie, this was sort of a descendant of the Swords and Sandals epics of the 50s and 60s, but they were famously incredibly expensive to make because they... They literally had to build the Colosseum and have 10,000 acres. Right. Yeah. yeah, and so after, I think, Cleopatra, that was nineteen. Sixty-three. That was the one that killed those big budget sword sandals films because it was a huge flop. I don't think that the budget would have been there to create something in that vein unless the CGI had been capable. And this was really at the earliest possible point that CGI could have done this convincingly. I think that explains to an extent why it did win the Best Picture Oscar. I'm not Mm. saying it's a bad film. I think it is a five-star popcorn movie. I think it's that Hollywood likes itself doesn't it and when you make films about hollywood they tend to get bumped up the uh, oscar chances don't they think about the artist for example you know how many other black and white french films won best picture well and it's a rare example of something that we don't see anymore not to go too martin scorsese on everyone but it was a cultural phenomenon that wasn't based on an existing intellectual property mm. that's something i mean that happens now with tv we've seen it happen with bridgerton i mean i know those are based on books you know and other netflix shows have had that same cultural impact but you don't really see it with movies movies now not big movies like avatar was probably the last wasn't it and the soundtrack was everywhere for a while wasn't yeah. it yeah. you know it was a huge yeah. phenomenon oh i think that can't be overlooked with that hans zimmer kind of surging strings pirates of the caribbean thing which mm. now almost <laughs> makes it feel a bit laughable when you watch it back you're like oh that's a bit too much but yeah. actually at the time <laughs> it, it's it was like it, it does heighten something about what they're trying to do which is this tale of great tragedy and revenge did you know that there was a pitch for a sequel written by nick cave the singer songwriter yes uh, it saw maximus resurrected as a christian soldier having woken in the afterlife and met mars and jupiter russell crowe had asked nick cave to write it because he's a friend uh, and his verdict upon reading it was don't like it mate <laughs> the funny thing is is that David Franzoni's original script for Gladiator was criticised for being too on the nose right that's why it was rewritten so much Nick Cave's <laughs> script right was going to have Maximus brought back to life to kill Jesus and end up cursed forever fighting through the Crusades World War II in Vietnam and the ending prepare yourselves would reveal that the character now works at the Pentagon <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah it was written by me aged 15 <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow. There was a day of national mourning in Portugal. Canvassing in the general election in Portugal was suspended on the day she died. Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network.